Hi, everyone. I have with me today Michelle, who is a traditional both attendant. Hi, Michelle. Hello. Thank you for. I'd love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners. So uh, I know a little bit about you. Who are you? Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for having me here today. Um, so I, I identify as a traditional midwife. Um, and lactation consultant. Um, I serve Alberta, um, Canada. Um, I've been doing this work for a few now, few years now, and um, really, I guess, started on this path with my own motherhood journey that began eleven years ago. Um, I birthed my son in the system and I had a very traumatic experience It ended in a, a traumatic c-section because he was breech um, and that experience as well as um, subsequent pregnancies that I experienced and experiences walking alongside other women really brought me along this path of radical birth keeping um, so I now serve my community in a way that feels authentic and in integrity to me to support women um, in the way that they're they're asking for support. And so that's completely outside of the system. I love how you say serving women instead of helping or assisting. I, I like I like the use of language that actually doesn't. Uh, make us in the to, into the position of, you know, the knight in shining armor that's going to help someone birth their baby. Yeah. Um, staying out of that hero mentality is something that is very important and integral to the work that I do. Women are inherently so powerful and um, it's really my honor to, to just support them um, as, the, as they claim that power and stay in that power. Absolutely. So, um, Masha Boom, what yeah. is this? <laughs> so, Masha Boom is actually a song title by a local, um, but also international um, artist that's achieved in an international fame. Leslie Feist has a song called Masha Boom. And um, the, the meaning of that word, it's a colloquial word that is used to predict an optimistic outcome despite the circumstances. And it is a reminder to journey consciously while enjoying the beauty and wisdom that is present in the experience. So that, um, that word is just a word that I love that's meaningful for me. And um, around the time that that I really got clear on my path of birth work and, and what that looked like for me and how it's, it's different than what I, how I see others practicing in my community. Um, it was a title of an email um, between me and someone who was really important to me. And um, yeah, just the, the universe is really interacting with me at that time and helping me get clear on my path. And it was just something that's, that stuck out and felt really clear for me. Um, that I wanted to name my my business that. So, um, yeah. So what is traditional midwifery to you? I know that um, I've been speaking to um, several 
women who call themselves traditional birth attendants or traditional birth companions? Mm -hmm. um, do you differentiate? What's the difference between you and a, and a regulated midwife? Talk, uh, talk to us about that. Sure. So I, for me, and you know what's funny is I've had, I've had a number of business cards and different versions and different titles. And I was actually just talking to um, someone I'm mentoring about this yesterday. And for me, it's been getting really clear on what it is that I offer and what feels in integrity for me. So traditional midwife, um, it's to, to me, it's what women expect when they hire a midwife. And unfortunately, within the system, those expectations are um, not often met or realized. Um, I find that so many women expect this woman-centered care that's really authentic um, when, they, when they seek out a midwife. And when they get inside of the system, you're getting someone who's um, they're not they're not loyal to the women that they're serving. They're loyal to their employer, which is the system and the government, um, and they're they're providing really standardized care. That's um, unfortunately it's not rooted in in sisterhood. So for me, the work that I feel called to do is defined as as that um, it's it's rooted in authentic sisterhood and um so for me that that word midwife is is uh, a fitting one um for the work that i am called to do um i call myself a traditional midwife others pick you know different different titles that that fit for them and um i think that i probably do work that's quite similar to what somebody who calls himself a traditional birth attendant might do um, but I, I do call myself a midwife um, because I feel that that advertises myself and my services correctly to the women who need to call on me. Um, it's definitely quite different than a licensed midwife. I do not carry a license. And that is something that is very clear to the women that I walk with and to their families. Um, and then I do go over in quite detail with these women what the differences are. Um, but in short, um, I haven't attended a traditional, um, sorry, a, <laughs> a conventional midwifery school. So my education um, is in the wise woman tradition. Um, I am not loyal to the system. Um, everything from the structure of prenatal care is completely outside of the system and you don't see any standardized tests or anything like that. Um, and then the way that I'm showing up in birth is really more likened to a shaman than to a doctor or medical professional. I'm not focused on paperwork or progress or timelines, um, I'm not filling, yeah, I'm not filling out any paperwork before or after. Um, I'm not reporting to anyone. And even the birth certificate process is done in the same way that a free birth is when I, when I attend a birth. And many women who I walk with will proudly tell their friends and families and sisters that they've free birthed. And while that 
you know, may or may not fit into everyone's definition of free birth. It makes me so happy that women feel that they've birthed freely when, when I've attended them. It's really interesting to hear you talk about how it is for you in Calgary, um, in Alberta, because um, I've always felt that, uh, <laughs> this is funny because it's about me. So I grew up in Calgary and I always feel that the proximity to the mountains makes people just a little bit freer than they are out east here. Mm -hmm. uh, here I'm speaking to women who, um, yes, they, they work in probably exactly the same way as you, but no one uses the word midwife because uh, there is um, there are legal things around using that that word and no one does um any of the so-called restricted practices which i'm sure you don't do either because they're not useful uh to to people um but it's just interesting how how different it is if you're just doing it in a positive way and not um having to avoid using certain language because you're um you know not wanting to be identified as working within the system yeah, you know what? That was something that I really wrestled with myself and trying on different titles and, and really feeling what resonated and what felt authentic for me. And the legality and liability of things are certainly something that I'm aware of and are on my radar. Um, but I don't feel that I can serve women in the way that I'm called to if I don't claim that word midwife, if I don't claim this role that I have been called to walk if, if I, you know, if I can't stand in, in my truth. And so um, that's why for me, when I enter into a relationship with a woman and, you know, sometimes her, her partner, depending on how involved he is, um, it's, it feels really important for me to, um, to enter into those relationships in good faith and to be really clear on boundaries and what I do and what I don't do and what um, what risks are for me to show up for them and just that everything is really, really clear for everyone um, and that the, the couple, the birthing mother and her partner um, and I really align um, on basic values and worldview. So the women that I serve now um, are quite different than the women that I served when I first started. And, and it's all a, a practice of, of getting, you know, deeper into, into alignment. I'm thinking a lot these days about sovereign birth mm -hmm. and sovereign womanhood. How do you think we can move towards these in our lives? Well, that's a great question. I think now, certainly from, from my perspective, I think claiming your birth is so, so important. Um, birth is, is truly, as you know, a sacred rite of passage. And unfortunately it's, it's not revered as such within the system and women who are stepping up and claiming their births are really changing the path of their entire lives and how they show up in other relationships and certainly in their motherhood journeys. Um, for me, having my first birth that felt so 
um, misaligned from my my values and everything that I had hoped for in this initiation into motherhood really it for me it really set me on the path of of you know what is sovereignty and and valuing that to when I birthed my second child um granted it was almost a decade after my first and there was a lot of learning and witnessing of other women um but that became a uh, non-negotiable for me that I was going to birth my child um in my own power and without another without an authority of any kind um and that's truly how i live my my life um i and also the freedom to to call myself a traditional midwife um despite you know i have others in in the system turn their nose up at that and um i really feel that it's important for us all to get to get clear no matter what we do on who we are and how we want to show up in the world um, and definitely the birth of my daughter, the free birth of my daughter, empowered me to to claim that and to claim my sovereignty. That leads very nicely into my next question. But first, I'm going to tell you a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the back in the eighties, I lived in Italy on a on a small we we had a small mixed organic farm and. There were a bunch of different people who did that um, from different places, some from Italy, some from elsewhere. And so we had some friends who had a little tiny stone house that was a goat pen downstairs and then a like their living area upstairs. So Monica had a, a daughter and um, she had had that child uh, by C-section because, um, because she was breech. And um, she became pregnant again, and um, she decided that she wasn't going to go back to the hospital. So the community was completely different back then because we all lived really far away from each other, and and we didn't have much money, and um, we didn't have internet and hardly even had phones. So um, I heard the story after she had already given birth. She went to the animal she went to the vet and got some methogene, which is um, which is a, uh, a basically a substance that you can use to control postpartum hemorrhage if if you really feel the need. That was all she knew about, and that was what she was thinking that she should do because she helped her goats birth all the time. And then she just sent her husband and and daughter away um, for the day and had her son. And she said it was the most terrifying experience that she'd ever had, but also the most powerful because she was, you know, doing it completely unknown. She hadn't had any understanding of it, no stories, no no support, no community. She just did what was within her that she knew that she could do and that she knew that she needed to do after the birth of her daughter. So... It's so interesting looking at the women that I'm speaking to now, yourself and and other women that are doing um, either free birth or or they're accompanying mothers or they're you know looking for um, someone to witness their birth. I feel really encouraged about the fact that there's more community now and more support and more speaking the stories and more you know letting everyone know 
I want to know how did you find your way to free birth after after C section? <clears throat> well, first of all, I loved that story. And if you still know anyone um, on an organic farm in Italy that that wants someone to come live with them, I am <laughs> volunteering. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Um, yeah. So so my my C section really really shook me up and woke me up and. I saw so much that was wrong with the way that women were viewed and birthing mothers and um, mother baby pairs and all of that. It just completely woke me up from from a um, ignorant slumber. And um, I was 22 when I had my son. And following that time, I was really motivated to I started feeling like the inklings of the calling to, to birth work and it started pretty slowly but when others in my community were pregnant or giving birth and I guess to backtrack I mean I have um, a sister that was born when I was almost 14 and my my appreciation and awe of pregnancy and birth were really already there um, and so when, when women around me, friends and relatives and neighbors were, were giving birth and I just would, you know, always be there showing up and, um, asking questions and, and learning from women that as time went on and I started wanting to get into birth work and started attending births, um, I was really slowly learning through these women and I feel it was very divinely guided, the women that I was walking with and in the succession that I was, because I was learning and seeing things um, from one birth that I would carry on into the next. And I had the luck or um, privilege of attending a woman who had previously had a C-section with her first child, and she had um medical licensed midwives and her midwives came to her home so she was actually risked out of home birth um her midwives uh referred her out for consult with an obstetrician and that contributed to her being risked out of a home birth so they did come to her home um to check her dilation which really means absolutely nothing and uh she was four centimeters dilated and it was her first labor first vaginal birth uh following the c-section and so they were anticipating a long labor i think they themselves had come off of a, a birth earlier you know that day and so they decided to go home to let her labor at home their plan was to let her labor at home as long as possible before transferring to the hospital. And so I was there and I said, well, I, um, I'm not leaving. So I stayed with her and she had her baby on her bathroom floor 45 minutes later. Um, nice. Midwives had gone and, and they, they came back, um, you know, to see a baby. Um, and it was the most calm and, and peaceful. I mean, of course, there's, you know, next level intensity for, for this woman um, in the throes of labor, but just the energy around her and how things unfolded so naturally and without intervention 
um, was really inspiring and, and it just completely changed the trajectory of, of the work that I do. Um, and the funny thing was prior to, prior to this birth, I had ordered some, um, midwifery supplies from a midwifery supply store online and they sent me this emergency baby catching kit as a promo and wasn't something that I had ordered it just you know showed up and I had to laugh because this whole notion of unassisted birth was something that was uh it still made me nervous at that point and it was something that had been ingrained into me in, in a traditional doula training that I had taken that you know you don't attend um, medically unsupervised or unassisted births, that that's outside of the scope of practice um, and the liabilities and all of that. And so when that showed up, I, I laughed. And then, of course, I, you know, I didn't use a darn thing in that kit, but it was just like this little nudge and smile from the universe um, before I even knew myself where I was headed. And um, and that birth really changed things for me. Also, at that point in my life, um, I had had a C-section and, and I was attending uh, birthing women, but I hadn't had a vaginal birth myself and I certainly hadn't had my VBAC. So I learned and I've had the privilege of learning directly through the women that I witness. So as mm. much as I'm serving them, they're serving me and the yeah. collective because I truly take wisdom from the experience of witnessing these women in their power with me to every birth that I attend. And that is one thing that I talk about um, to women when I first meet them. And I share with them um, that that my experience does come that way and it does come from um, real world experience. And, and the funny thing is when um, I, I absolutely love and have a passion for walking with women who have previously had a C-section or two, and um, when they share with me conversations that they've had with medical providers, so obstetricians or medical midwives, um, they're told things that are really showing the provider's uneasiness with attending women who have previously had a C-section. And they're revealing things that show that they have truly never witnessed undisturbed birth. So these, these midwives are, are making calls out of fear and out of this, this liability um, that I simply don't carry with me. Um, my experience comes from, you know, predominantly witnessing birth outside of the system at this point. Um, I have witnessed birth in the system and I, of course, did have a C-section myself. Um, but for the latter part of my career, it's been completely outside of the system. It's been undisturbed, unmedicated, um, unpathologized birth. And that really lends me... Um, an air of confidence to, to bring with me to support these women um, in, in the way that they deserve without this, like, I, I just am not pathologizing in the same way, if that makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. And I think that, um, that it's an interesting phenomenon that's happening that actually the, 
the women that are many of the women that um, that are looking for undisturbed sovereign birth are actually women that have been named um, high risk mm-hmm. by the system um, because you know they don't feel high risk if you've had a C-section before or you've or you're carrying twins or any number of different um, different situations those people feel like they're in somehow in danger absolutely when they speak to the medical providers yeah and i mean i know for myself and speaking for myself as a birthing woman that you are in danger you're in danger of being pathologized you are in danger of having your birth sabotaged you're in great danger of having um your your undisturbed birth sabotaged because you walk in those doors whether it be to a hospital or you, depending on who you're inviting into your home if you're inviting a licensed midwife into your home um you're absolutely going to be pathologized um and even even for a woman who's not high risk if you're receiving a vaginal exam every hour i mean i've seen it more frequently than that and heart rate monitoring you're taken out of your um your primal brain and and put into you know you have that fear in you and you're you're brought into your conscious brain and you're just not able to have the birth you're not able to have an undisturbed birth in that way so yeah i mean i think that that's a really valid fear and and um the women that I walk with, I mean, you nailed it. I mean, about 50% of them are women that would have been labeled high risk or be risked out before we even get to that point of their births. And then sometimes there are women that find me near the end. I'll have women that are at, you know, 40 plus weeks gestation and they're no longer able to have, they're told they're no longer able to have a home birth or they're scheduled for an induction against their consent. Um, and then so sometimes women are looking to have a sovereign birth at that point because that's, you know, the that's an option that is available to them at that point. But I am always so completely amazed when first-time mothers uh, seek me out and have me attend their first birth um because that's just a value sovereignty is just something that tops their their personal values so there is there's a huge range certainly a lot of women who have previously had traumatic births um i i love walking with them um but there's a huge range of of women that feel really called to birth in their power i think there's a I think it's really sad, though, that that we cannot have the birth that we want in any space that we want. Because I know that because um, I used to run a volunteer doula organization for many years here in Montreal, and some of the women we served, they didn't have a home to birth in. Mm-hmm. And so the 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 partnership of a doula in that situation was so, so, so important because they knew that they would be going into a, a hostile environment to give birth. Often they, they, they would experience all sorts of different prejudices, racism, and, and the fact that they were, you know, refugees or, or whatever, illegal, so-called illegal people or whatever. So, 
So the sad thing is to me that, yes, on the one hand, it's amazing that all these people are seeking you and others out here in our country, you know, to, to have the sovereign birth that they want. But at the same time, there are people who that is not possible for them. And at the same time, their reality is often really traumatic. And I mean, I'm not asking you to fix that. I'm just saying that's it saddens me that birth can't be safe and sacred everywhere. Absolutely. That I mean, I share that that sentiment about it um, with you, Rivka. I I think that it's so important that we have people in all areas surrounding birth that are um, appreciating the sacredness of birth and are walking with women in integrity. Um, I, I, yeah, I definitely don't have a solution. Um, but I think that there are amazing doulas that do amazing work, um, that are making a difference. And I think that that work is really important too. I think that there are licensed providers who are skilled and compassionate. And I think that they meet so many women where they're at. And there are many women that don't want to be outside of the system. And all of those, all of those rules are so important. I personally feel that the system is so broken. And my experience has been witnessing that when a woman enters the system to birth, it, it, it is you know, 99 out of 100 times a hostile, unsafe environment. Um, and so for me, that just really solidifies my my passion for the work that I do outside of the system. Um, and because I don't carry any allegiance to a certifying board or um, a license that I'm able to to work in a way that is in integrity to me and to the women that I serve, but it, it, the state of the world, um, it truly saddens me as well, especially right now and everything we're going through and more restrictions on women. Um, that certainly isn't serving women or babies from my perspective. It's interesting. I was using that exact phrase. I've been using it for many, many years, a broken maternity care system. And um, one of the women that I've been speaking to, uh, I haven't aired her her interview yet. It's coming out this coming week, is also a traditional birth companion. And she says, people, let's wake up a minute. It's not broken. It's working excellently well to subjugate and oppress birthing women. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting if you start looking at it that way, because, yeah, it is a system and it works. Like women go into the hospital and they, you know, I don't know about in Calgary, but here the average epidural rate is, is well, so the average around 60%, but the first time mom's epidural rate is 90%, and then they wonder about why there's a fentanyl crisis in our country. Mm -hmm. But um, but the, this, this, this maternity care system is actually working excellently well to, to, to keep women's power out of the birthing room. So, yeah, just a, another out of their reach. I mean, it's designed so that you never know what birth can be like. Um, if you've, if you've given birth, unfortunately, and not to hurt anyone's feelings, but if you've, from my perspective, and this is my opinion, but if you've given birth in a hospital, you truly don't know what, what birth can be. You don't know your own power. And even if we look at things like continuous fetal monitoring and 
um, an IV or anything that's, you know, locking you into your bed. If we look at ex um, vaginal exams and somebody putting their hand inside of your body and any feeling that you, that pulls you out of any trance-like state you might be in that just brings you into into fear and into your body and um to birth that way and to to give up your your autonomy um and enter in motherhood it's so different and and i'm i'm truly speaking this from um my own perspective of having had my son um a very medicalized surgical birth um, to a completely free and undisturbed birth at home. So, um, yeah, the system is really preventing women from ever knowing their innate power, from ever unlocking this beautiful cascade of hormones that um, really protects natural birth and from, from bonding with their children and from the sense of pride that you have from having um, birth to your baby. Um, women and their babies, unfortunately, are are really lined up to be lifelong um, consumers and uh, within the system in in so many aspects. I mean, I can speak to how my life was was truly changed just by witnessing other women birthing outside of the system, and um, my path to to do the same was really. Um, lit by the the mothers before me, um, but it it makes such a difference in a way that I I mean I can't even describe um, the transformation that is birth. Um, it we just don't have the access to it in the system the way that it's it's medicalized and the way that it's managed, and the system certainly does work really well to to keep things that way. What do you see for the future? Do you see, do you see a growth of sovereign birth? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm booked up myself into the spring, and when I, when I really got clear on my, my calling, um, and what felt aligned for me, it was serving women exclusively outside of the system, um, and I would, you know, have births here and there. I might have a couple months in between a birth every, you know, um, and, and now the way that women are waking up, call it, um, you know, the global climate or, or, you know, I, I don't know what, but women are seeking out sovereign birth. They're seeking out others to support them in sovereign birth. And I'm, at the point now in my career where having gone from, you know, a few months in between a birth sometimes to I'm completely booked, um, I now need to start calling in another woman that I can train in traditional midwifery and have work alongside me. And um, yeah, I, I see women claiming their power and raising their babies um, in their power as well. Um, I see people revillaging and living communally um, and living sovereign lives, living um, in a way that they are in harmony with the land and with each other, um, more so than the, the way that we currently live, which is really 
um, isolating the nuclear family. It doesn't work. It doesn't serve. Um, it doesn't serve families. And I'm certainly seeing all of this come to fruition in my own community. I lead a women's circle locally, which is largely the women that I serve in birth and in breastfeeding will come to the circle, but you know, they'll friends will invite others as well, or people who are interested in, in learning more. Um, and, and these women, it's funny, we just lost three women this summer from the circle because they've all sold everything they own and, and have headed out somewhere to live communally off the land. And so certainly from where I'm sitting, I'm seeing and inspired by, by that and have the intention to, you know, do something similar myself. Um, when you mentioned the, um, that, that woman who gave birth in Italy with her goat under the house, it, it made me laugh a little because, you know, we're researching different ways to, to build homes and off grid and things that are very much on my radar in my community. And, um, my husband had just mentioned to me about having livestock under the home is a great way to, to heat your home in a certain climate. <laughs> and it's just something Absolutely. I've never, yeah. never heard of or thought of before. So, um, yeah, I see, I see people living really, this is a lifestyle. Sovereign birth is a lifestyle. Wild mothering is a, is a lifestyle. And so I'm, I'm really seeing people getting clear on that being the path for them. And then making it happen. And of course, um, you know, people will continue to birth in the system and live in civilization and, and that's great. Um, but it's, it's really wonderful for me to watch, um, my, my community and the people directly around me make other choices. And, um, it's so inspiring because I want to do the same. So from from my little spot, um, that's where I see things going. Thank you for everything. Thank you for everything that you've, the, all the stories that you've told us. Thank you for doing the work that you do. Thank you for teaching others um, your skills. That's wonderful to hear. I'm glad that you're mentoring other women. If you have just one word to spread to our listeners and beyond, what would it be? Hmm. It would be power and um, really knowing and claiming that power that already exists in you. Thank you so much, Michelle. I'm going to give everyone your information so that people can contact you with questions and, and wonderings. And keep on doing the work you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rivka. It was truly a pleasure to be here and speak with you.